Welcome to The Way Home with Laura Smith, the show that brings you wonderful guests, helpful advice, and uplifting stories. The Way Home, live inspired. Here's your host, Laura Smith. Happy, happy 4th of July weekend, everyone. It's wonderful to be with you on a holiday that commemorates the birthday of our great nation, our wonderful country. Um, I, for one, feel so very blessed to be an American, and this holiday uh, is just one of them that really reminds me of that and helps us to take a good look at everything that this country went through to gain the independence that it got and for the uh, the freedoms that we enjoy and we want to ensure are here forever. Grateful to be an American, lived around the world as uh, growing up as a child, but all that did was to make me appreciate the beautiful country that we live in all that all the more so happy fourth of july i hope you're enjoying it safely and joyfully with those that you love and i hope that you enjoy the show as well um there's certainly people that i love on it talking about things that i find are very lovely my first guests are gabby fay and cedric hill cedric hill is a producer writer director and he has created a new short film called noisy which just won Best Short Film at the Cannes Film Festival in France. That's the big one. That's the one that says, wow, if you've made it here, you might even make it all the way to the Oscars. Gabby Fay is a young and really uh, burgeoning artist and actress who plays a role in this beautiful short film that even though it's only 10 minutes long, it packs a beautiful punch. And I just can only recommend you highly see it when it is released in November. It's called Noisy. They're going to be on. We also have uh, someone talking about dog bite awareness because the postal workers in this country, there are thousands of dog bites every year, and they want to try to mitigate that and make sure it happens less and less until it never happens again because it's it's really not great for our postal workers to have to worry about getting bit by dogs. So we're going to have a guest talking about that. And also um, someone uh, with the anniversary called Saving the Animals. It's a book, the 30th anniversary of that. And talking really about animals not being used in scientific experiments anymore and how it's just way overdue that we find any benefits from putting them through that because it really at the end of the day has not netted out scientifically for humans anyway. So we're going to hear all about that as well. An inspirational show, a show with great advice and tips and beautiful art. I look forward to bringing that all brought to you by Balance of Nature, fruits and veggies in a capsule. A wonderful product, Balance of Nature. I'm so grateful uh, to that product, to the people who create the product and uh, really are changing the world one life at a time, as they say in all the commercials. I get inspired when I hear the commercials on the radio or on the TV. Uh, They are all real people that have volunteered to tell their story about what it has done to them. They are not actors portraying anything. These are real people, people that call into the company to the tune of hundreds a week to talk about the success that they have had because of taking this wonderful, concentrated uh, amount and I say amount, not not it's not a substance. It's it's an amount of fruits and vegetables uh, that you can't get anywhere else. It's a variety of thirty one to thirty two different ones, and 
they are given in their most pure form into the capsules. And they are so amazing in terms of giving you the stamina, the energy, the immune boost that you need um, to keep you healthy. Whatever the season is, whatever's going on in the world, uh, you know that your cells are enriched and you are at your your most most healthy when you have the right amount of nutrients. And the way you do that is with balance of nature. You can get some vegetables and fruits and put them in your salads and things like that throughout the week. But to be honest, it's not the amount that an American adult needs. And so in order to do that and supplement that, balance of nature comes to the rescue. It's the only product of its kind that is only fruits and vegetables in the capsules and nothing else added whatsoever. You can order them and get 35% off by putting my name into the promo code, Laura, L-A-U-R-A, 35% off your first preferred order and free shipping when you do that. So by all means, put Laura into the promo code, go to balanceofnature.com, balanceofnature.com. Grateful to them. I know how much uh, this country means to them. They have a whole unique, thing that they are uh, creating uh, with United We Pledge. You've probably heard those commercials as well. They truly believe in everything that America stands for, and they are building something very exciting. We are going to have Dr. Douglas Howard, who is the founder and formulator of Balance of Nature, and Lex Howard, the CEO, on uh, very soon to talk about United We Pledge and the wonderful uh, new town they're building out in Utah. So it's all brought to you by Balance of Nature, Fruits and Veggies in a Capsule. We come back and hear about this beautiful short film that just won in the Cannes Film Festival. It's called Noisy, Gabby Fay and Cedric Hill when we return. Don't go away. You're listening to The Way Home. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. About a year and a half ago or so, I had a young actress um, who I had met in a a group of aspiring actors and working actors uh, that I was able to to speak to uh, through a friend who hooked me up, Rich Henkels of the Actors Think Tank. And I met some really wonderful people who are you know, striving in their craft uh, to make it. And uh, through that very... um, just one time thing, I met a, a young actress by the name of Gabby Fay, and she was uh, a real standout to me. So I ended up having her on my show because she was already uh, very immersed in doing a lot of films and and producing her own things. And I was very taken with with her talent. So that was a year and a half ago. We'll flash forward uh, being on social media. I've been able to watch her in terms of all that she has done in the last year and a half. And it's quite remarkable. And I'm so excited for her because she has really uh, just within the last year or so has done some incredible projects. And I'm so grateful to have her back now. And as well as with a producer, writer and director and so much more Cedric Hill, uh, who has written the most beautiful of short films. So beautiful. In fact, that had just won at the Cannes Film Festival uh, just weeks ago. So it's so thrilling. I have them both on the show today to talk about their latest movie called Noisy, which I literally get goosebumps when I talk about it because it is that beautiful of a short film. Welcome to both of you, Gabby and Cedric. Thank you. 
Thank you, Laura. Very Very excited to be back. Yes, exactly. Back, but in such a big way. And who knew the last time you were on that you would be doing so many things? I mean, since then, you were also in an HBO limited series called The Mayor of East Town. I saw that you were a recurring role. And um, and also as Cedric, well, he has many years of many films under his belt. And uh, he's very, very highly acclaimed in, in the world of producing, directing, writing, all of it was even an actor or is an actor still. Um, Cedric, uh, I am so happy to have met you and uh, through via watching this amazing film called Noisy. If you don't mind, can you tell our listeners a little bit as to how you got the idea for this short film? And when I say short film, that's what it's designated, correct? In the film festivals, when it, how long that's does a short film have to be? Anything under 45 minutes is usually considered a short film. Anything under 45 minutes. Well, well Noisy is 10, correct? 10 minutes and four seconds. 10 minutes and four seconds. And if you think you're thinking to yourself, well, how in the world can anything get done in, you know, in 10 minutes in a film? And I'll tell you, when you watch Noisy, you will be moved and you changed and transformed just by this beautiful uh, short film. Cedric, tell us how you got the idea for writing Noisy and what its premise is. And then we'll bring Gabby in to talk about her role in it. Um, the premise was I was taking the bus home and I saw a couple um, bus was full gentleman let his wife sit down she wrapped her arms around him like she was falling off the planet and he leaned back and he made one sign to her and her hands relaxed so i mean the real inspiration was was her hands the tension in her hands being so strong and then just just melting away from one bit of communication and um yeah so you're talking about as she she signed something like as in sign language yes yeah he signed he signed something to her um couldn't see the sign really well and she just completely relaxed i see so you're watching you didn't understand because you don't speak sign language or it didn't at the time and you're watching this woman's beautiful you know whole body relax as a result of what he said to her via the sign language that must have been really incredible to see so did you just become so inspired by that that you thought you would write a film about that uh, I just, I understood because, you know, in doing some research, there's a lot of the noise that when we speak goes away in sign language. So I said, let's write this story where the words are specific and we get to where we want to get to. So it's also a very visual form of communication. So, yeah. I find it to be so very beautiful whenever I watch it. It's just such it's so it's so moving when I see someone sign and there's so much passion in, in it when when you're watching somebody do it. So. All right. So you write this film. Um, if you wouldn't mind giving us a little bit of a taste of what it's about. Um, it's a very simple story of a boy meeting a girl. That's it. <laughs> That's the whole story. Boy and meets it, girl. Uh-huh. It, within 10 minutes. And the whole thing takes is done in sign language with subtitles. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And if, if you can imagine just this 10 minute film where boy does meet girl on a subway in New York city and what ensues from their communication with sign language, it is, it is absolutely just breathtakingly lovely. And um, so it's called noisy. 
and um, you heard why uh, now because of of how much noise maybe there is in in verbal communication that we all get so used to that quiets down when there is sign language presence. So enter Gabby Faye, an actress. Uh, how much did you audition a lot of uh, people for this film, Cedric? Um, yeah, I did actually. <laughs> And did you have to find somebody who was an expert in sign language or was it an you know, open sort of casting? Well, I, I got a lot of people who could act really well, a lot of people who could sign really well, but I couldn't find anybody who could sign and act equal in, you know, on an equal level, except for these two. These two are my choice. And these two being Gabby Faye and the young man. Max Lem Madrid. Say, say his last name again. La Madrid, La Madrid, yeah. Max La Madrid. He has a he has a wonderful presence in the movie. So Gabby Faye, what was this like for you? So tell us your introduction to sign language. You you do sign language, but you don't use it all the time. How did you know any sign language at all? Was it yeah. or did you learn it for the film? So I. I, the timing was sort of uncanny. So my mother was in the process of getting diagnosed with bulbar ALS, bulbar onset ALS, which if anyone is familiar with ALS, bulbar attacks your voice. Um, so one of my mom's first symptoms was that her speech started to become slurred. And I guess my family finds it sort of ironic and a blessing at the same time that she had studied sign language in college. She minored in it. So she spoke it really fluently, but barely ever used it. I mean, we saw her on a couple of occasions. I feel like, I don't know what it is, but deaf people, it's like they can sense when somebody else signs, when like speaks. Somebody came up to us one time. I vis- my parents were visiting me in New York City and they were on their way back. We were at the train station and this woman just came up frantically signing to my mother. And we were like, how? would you know this? And and then we watched my mom, like give her directions. And I hadn't seen my mother sign just in years. This happened like years ago. And I, I don't know, we always like laugh and remember that moment. It was like, so just like amazing. Um, so anyway, once she started, you know, like losing her ability to speak, she was signing a lot more and she was teaching me sign language. And that summer I had moved home just to like sort of help her navigate. This was like very overwhelming diagnosis So while I was home in Maryland with my parents, I really didn't want to stop working on my craft and stop auditioning. And so I was submitting myself um, for jobs. And this one came up, this short film for sign language. And I was like, holy crap, I'm learning sign language. Maybe I should audition. But I, I don't know. I spoke to my mother and I was like, I don't really know sign that well. I just started learning like a month ago. She's like, just try. You never know. You can do it. I, you know, my mother and my parents are like my best cheerleaders and I love them very much for that. And they're always so supportive. So I was like, all right, well, I'll give it a try. Who knows? Why not? Um, so I auditioned on self tape. I had to learn, I don't know, Cedric, what, five or six lines? It wasn't much. Five lines. Five lines. Yeah. Uh, but even that was like quite an undertaking for somebody who, you know, didn't. Had only started signing a month before. Exactly. But, uh, you know, actors, we love challenges and we love putting in work for characters. So it was very, I mean, it was fun. It was hard work, but it was fun. And um, to my great surprise, 
I got a call back for the film and it was in New York City. And I was like, well, what a great reason to travel back to New York. So I guess that was in June, maybe. And I went back up and um, yeah, I went I went to the room. There were a couple of other actors and actresses that uh, Cedric was seeing. And it was kind of like, I don't know, I walked in the room and that was it, you know? And with Max, Max was there too. We just uh-huh. had good chemistry as well. And and was Max a native sign language person? Cedric? You know sign or, so much or, better or, than I do. Oh, okay. I don't, do you remember? I don't remember. <laughs> oh, I do. Yeah. Um, he, Max so, is studied sign language in high school and college. So he was fairly fluent when he got there. He was amazing. And let me tell you, Laura, it was like... <laughs> Cedric made us improvise, and I was like, oh, Lord, this will be good. Because I said, I was like, just so you know, like, I'm not fluent in sign language. He's like, just make it up. And I was like, this Max is going to think I'm an idiot. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, making things up, but trying to make it believable. Um, but I've learned so much more sign since then, you know, mm-hmm. uh, from just doing the project for sure. Like, there's so many things that are stuck in my brain. And then um, my mom, for a couple years – since her diagnosis has been teaching my friends and family every week until very recently, it's become a little bit too hard for her. Uh, but yeah. So if I had to improvise again, it wouldn't be as bad, which I did have an audition and it was, it was much better. (laughs) I see. And so let me, let me ask you this. Yeah. (laughs) The the whole film is 10 minutes, but, but to do the entire thing in sign language, you have to be quite proficient, right? Because you're, you can't, improvise for the real film because there's going to be actual you know deaf people who see it and who are going to be watching you correct yeah and obviously it was so important to both of us that we did we did this film justice and you know like when deaf people do watch it that it's believable and real and like so i mean it was very well rehearsed we wouldn't dare improvise anything right right so and you did and i i had no idea you see i assumed because I knew of your mother's condition, I assumed that you were fluent in it, had no idea that when you auditioned, you had only been trying it out for a month. So Cedric, the film takes place in the New York City subway in an actual moving subway, which for me brings back so many memories. I left New York two years ago, but I spent every single day on a subway going to and fro from work. And it's just for me, it was so moving because it's just so gritty and real. You shot it in black and white. Um, well, we actually shot it in full color. And oh, then we you did? Colored, yeah, we shot it in color. Like, There's oh, none of it that's black and white? Why did no, I it, is, it is black and white. It's just black and white, they changed it in it the edit. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, Poor I was going to say, I thought, my gosh, I'm <laughs> yeah, really losing it. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah. Transferred into black and white. Um, if we shot it in black and white, the richness of it wouldn't have come out. I think so, too. There was something about seeing it in black and white. And then and the first thing that hits you when the when the movie opens before it even opens, I think, like when some credits are on a black screen or something is the music. The music is so incredibly important in this. It's just so beautiful. And it just like it gives you goosebumps and and brings tears to your eyes because it's such beautiful old music. What are the, the the pieces that you chose for the film? Um, one was um, Billie Holiday. Uh, now I can't. I'm blanking on the song. First song was um, was Tenderly by Billie Holiday. And the second song is 
You're going to make me lonesome when you're gone by Madeline Perot, which is a cover of John Lennon. Nope, not John Lennon. Who the hell did it first? Somebody did it first, but it's a cover. And it's, it's just a, a co- lovely rendition. Yeah, it's a lovely rendition. And the last song is the song I wanted, always wanted to play at my wedding. So, Aww. You wanted to that. play at your wedding or you did play at your wedding? Oh, no, I wanted to play. I am still not, not um, in, married. In, in, <laughs> yes. There's still time. Okay. And maybe <laughs> you, you might just meet her on the subway or something. Or, oh, no, 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 no. I don't do that anymore. No, no. I moved from New York, so I could avoid the subway. Yes, exactly. It's amazing to me how great of a filmmaker you are that you actually made the subway look romantic. I think that's a big feat right there. Eight train going to Brooklyn? Yeah, that's a tough one. That's a really nice compliment. Thank you. Yes, because, I mean, if you think about it, but I guess it was that music, that backdrop, and then the really beautiful artistic skills of Max and Gabby. It is just so lovely. So the great news is it's winning all sorts of festivals and it won at the probably quintessential um, or one of them anyway, con in France. No, it's it's the biggest. It's the one. It's the biggest. Okay. I mean, how thrilling for you. I, I can't help but think that we're going to see you at the Oscars whenever this is eligible to, to be submitted for that, because it's just, it, it's just, I think it, it, it grabs people on so many levels. And I, I think that if you can win at con, you can win at anywhere. So I wouldn't doubt if we're going to see you guys walking down the red carpet uh, next year. Would well, it be I, next year, I, 2023? Uh, yes. If anybody picks it up, it'd be 2023. So, Gabby, you going to be my plus one? Aw, are you asking? I'm asking you. You love me on air. That's so I nice. do. Don't tell me about <laughs> it. It's going to ruin my reputation. Of course I'll yeah. be your plus one. Yes, I saw you guys yesterday. I know what you really <laughs> like. No, it's, it's wonderful. What an incredible thing this must be for you, Cedric, as a, a producer and a director and a writer. You write these films, then you have these people act out your films, and you must forever become family with, with the people in, in your movies and such. It, it, is that what happens? I mean, that's what it feels like when I see you guys. Um, Gabby, Max and I, that was, this was kind of special. Cause a lot of times, you know, we're just, we're guns for hire. Like we'll shoot an entire movie. We'll become friends, but not this one is a little different. I mean, the nature of the film, it just makes you happy. It makes you feel good. So being around everybody who worked on it is lots of fun. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, sometimes when you do this work enough, like you don't keep in touch with everybody, but like the people who are really special and stand out, you know, like we've seen each other many times since. Right. Since since shooting this. Yeah. You shot it in 2019, correct? Correct. Yeah. So pre-pandemic. Pre-pandemic, isn't that something? (laughs) But um, it's just wonderful. Now, both of you, quickly before we go, let's—I just want to know what are you working each of you on, respectively? Um, Gabby, what do you have right now? I know that you had a movie that you created with your production company, Dirty Girl, and I saw on Facebook that that it was up on billboards in Times Square. Yeah, that is true. It did play in Times Square. 
uh, for a day. And it was very, a very exciting day. I don't remember when, sometime March, a couple years back. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's funny that you were talking about the Oscars. It's like, I've always visualized Times Square. I've always visualized the Oscars. So fingers crossed that is in our near future too. Um, (laughs) well, this is radio and people can't see you, but I went to see Top Gun this week and (laughs) she, so I'm watching it and I'm going, Oh my goodness this woman could be Gabby Faye and it's the, the woman in the Top Gun movie in Maverick. Monica uh, Barbaro. Yeah. Monica Barbaro. And she plays one of the pilots. She's Mm -hmm. the only female pilot in the whole film. And I was watching it the whole time and I could have sworn I was watching you. And I said, this must be a sign. (laughs) Gabby's going to be in Hollywood and doing really big things like this. So I I just know it. I yeah. If I, yeah, if I, I think about, yeah, go ahead. No, I just, uh, you inspired me and I went to go see it yesterday because I wanted to go check the girl Did out. Did you agree? <laughs> Did you agree? Yeah, we definitely have similarities for sure. Like the, the round face, the, the big eyes. Yeah. Yeah. She was and, and just something about your, you've got this cute little sort of, it's, I don't know. It's interesting. It's like this beautiful, confident, but little kind of swagger, you know, in your eyes. It's, it's a really, it's something that not all females have. Um, and it's, it's almost like a, a slight mischievous I love it. thing you have going on. Mm-hmm. And, and yet you're a beauty. You're, you're wonderful. You, you, ha- you sing in a choir. You, you, you're a great singer and you play the ukulele. You, volunteer and do so much work for ALS, the cause because of your mom's situation. And you just all around give me hope for the future in this world, Gabby Faye, that there are just really incredible people that are going to be kind of the stewards of our planet, of our, of the arts, of, of our world and humanity in general. You give me hope for that. You're just very special. Gabby Faye, everyone. See the movie Noisy. Cedric Hill, you created something, I a, a, a mini masterpiece because it's only 10 minutes long, but it's huge in its impact of beauty, I think. The movie is called Noisy. Um, you'll be able to see it. I believe you're going to release it when, Cedric? November. November. So find it wherever you find your beautiful art films and uh, those types of things. You can, of course, probably stream them out on all different platforms. But November, look for the film Noisy and then look for these two, Cedric Hill and Gabby Faye and their friend Max, who plays in it as well, um, on the red carpet next year. That's my prediction. We'll take it. We'll take it. We'll go to the red carpet. It's cool. (laughs) All right, then. Thank you so much. Once again, I really appreciate you joining me on the way home. Lots of love to both of you. To you, too. Thank you so much. Great evening. Thank you. You're listening to The Way Home. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. Well, I know we've all seen those cartoons where you've got the dogs chasing the mail carrier, the postal worker, and, you know, we laughed about them growing up all the time. But the fact is it's quite serious business. Um, The United States Postal Service is hosting National Dog Bite Awareness Week in June, and we have someone here who is going to really 
talk about the seriousness of it um, to, to hopefully mitigate uh, more statistics in the future. My guest is Leanne Therio. She is the USPS Manager, Employee Safety and Health Awareness. Leanne, thank you for joining us today. It's no laughing matter, correct? Good morning, Laura. It is not. And thank you for allowing us to speak on National Dog Bite Awareness. Yes. Yeah, so uh, apparently the the number is up to something like 5,500 postal workers are bitten or were bitten um, in the past year. That's a lot of postal workers. And I imagine that it, some of it, it can be quite dangerous. So from vicious to maybe just not quite as bad, but even so, that must be terrifying for the postal workers with, with a number like that. What, why is this happening? Yes, Laura, it is It is a real problem. We urge dog owners to restrain their dogs at all times, and dogs are animals and they are very extinctive. So it takes, uh, it takes just one wrong interaction or movement of our carriers for them to get injured. Um, and it is a huge concern for the organization, um, which is why we host this National uh, Dog Bite Awareness Week every year so that we can educate both customers and our employees so that we can continue can, can continue to decrease the number of attacks yearly. And that 5,500 that you spoke of equates to 15 a day, which is just too many. 15 a day. And wow, I, if it were me, I, I wouldn't be able to do my job. I would be in constant fear. Are the postal workers highly aware of the potential for these dog bites? And how do they how do they continue to function and do their job despite knowing that there's a chance that they could be attacked by a dog? So what we do here at the United States Postal Service is we train them from day one. We make sure they have all the tools they need to protect them from um, any kind of dog attack as well as technology. So um, we make sure they have a satchel that they um, have the mail in when they're delivering and they are trained to use that satchel to put in between them and a dog during any kind of attack so the dog is, can latch onto the satchel and not one of their arms or legs, um, as well as the technology that they can use. Um, we have handheld scanners, which alert them of um, dogs at upcoming addresses so that they can be aware of their surroundings um, and know when a dog uh, may or may not be in the area as well as the cayenne pepper spray that we use if needed that has been approved by the American Veterinary Society. I see. In fact, that's what I was going to ask you next. Um, are postal workers in the right to be able to protect themselves either by, I was thinking, the, the pe- pepper spray or by a taser or something like this? Are they have these measures been approved for them to be able to protect themselves? They, we don't want them held liable, obviously, as they're going about their business and delivering mail to be liable if something indeed happens to the dog as a result of them being attacked. Yes, that spray is approved by the American Veterinary Association, uh, is not harmful to uh, the pet, although it does deter them from continue, continuing to attack the carrier. I see. Now, in general, are these dog bites something that happens as a result of just a, a mistake that the that the owner accidentally 
forgot to restrain the dog or keep it in a certain place? Or do you just, do you find in your research that some of this is just carelessness, that they're just not paying, you know, taking it very seriously? Well, I'm glad you asked that, Laura, but it happens for a lot of reasons. So it is very important for customers to keep their dogs restrained, keep them behind doors, make sure that as they're going in and out of the door to their house that it does close, but also be aware that dogs are um, instinctive animals who want to protect their family and their home and their territory. So they can um, jump through screen doors, storm doors, um, also having children that um, are reaching for the mail from the litter carrier, that dogs are very protective of children. So just to be aware of all those little things that you may think, oh, my dog never bites or it's not a big deal, can become a very big deal, um, specifically to the employees delivering the mail. But they also have to do their due diligence to make sure they're aware of their surroundings, not feeding um, dogs, treats because the one day they come without a treat might be a problem and just being aware of all the little intricacies that they can do to keep the dogs um, from attacking as well. Um, This, you know, may be an unpopular question, but can dog owners be held liable if indeed their dog um, causes harm or damage to to a postal worker um, and they, they have some serious issues as a result of it. Is that something that the owners of of the dogs are held responsible for? Yes, owners can be held responsible, not only for um, postal workers, but also for neighbors that come into the neighborhood or may be attacked by the dog. Um, And those uh, costs are very high. They can be up to $37,000 from pain and suffering um, and medical bills. Okay. Well, as it should be, I would say. So it's just a great reminder since it seems, are are the dog bite incidents going up, Leanne? Actually, from um, 2020 to 2021, they did go down minimally um, from 50, over 5,800 to 5,400. But any dog bite is one too many. So we're not calling it a win until we um, get to zero dog bites. Zero dog bites is the goal. This is the week um, of awareness for dog bites and postal workers. It's something to be taken seriously. It's not a joke, even though, as I said, we all saw these in cartoons growing up. But it's, it's, not, it's not something that anyone wants to go through on either side, the dog owner or the postal worker. So by all means, please, everyone, if you have a dog or someone in your family has a dog, to remind them that this is really a crucial topic. Leanne Thurio, USPS Manager, Employee of Safety and Health Awareness at the United States Postal Service. Thank you for joining us for the great uh, public service announcement. Thank you, Laura. And I encourage all your listeners to go to USPS.com for more information on National Dog Bite Awareness. Very good. USPS.com and look for the Dog Bite Awareness Campaign. Thank you very much, Leanne. All the best to you and and the rest of the organization. Thank you, Laura. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Once again, here's Laura. 30 years ago, a groundbreaking book came about that was hopefully the beginning of what will uh, hopefully not actually be something that we have to be talking about for much longer. But sadly, Free the Animals 
which was so important when it came out um, and really was a game changer for exposing what was going on with the testing of animals. I am so grateful that today PETA is still rallying around this cause and working for the modernization of testing so that we can once and for all get rid of the practice of experimenting on animals when indeed we have found that it hasn't really forwarded the cause of finding cures for human beings. I'm very grateful to have Emily Trunnell here. She is a senior scientist, Dr. Emily Trunnell, I should say. She's a senior scientist for PETA, the People of the Ethical Treatment of Animals. Emily, thank you so much. 30 years is, it's amazing. It must for people like you in, in that world, it must seem like forever. And it also may seem like a blink of an eye. Give us a background, if you would, on Free the Animals and where PETA is in this moment in time in terms of really turning the tides on animal testing. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So uh, Free the Animals came out 30 years ago. It's the uh, true life, real uh, story of the beginnings of the animal rights movement in the U.S. Um, and it's, it's a really riveting read. I just I have to say that I picked it up and I didn't put it down um, for two days until it was I was done with it because it's just it's got everything you'd want in a thriller, you know, midnight raids and a love story and government secrecy. But it's all true. Um, and the, And it starts with. The animal rights movement in the U.S. started with the raid and rescue of animals from laboratories. So the 30th anniversary edition contains a new afterword, which I was really honored to be asked to write because it's such a a critical book in the movement. But what we do in the afterword is we, we research and describe how many of the experiments that the animals were rescued from, and these are things like decompression experiments and traumatic brain injury are still happening to animals today. Um, So it's still a critical issue. We have had a lot of victories for animals in laboratories. PETA has ended a lot of experiments through the help of our supporters, um, but there are so many still happening today. You know, and it's mind boggling to me, the amount of money that the government spends on this testing and these various corporations that insist that the process continues on and on knowing full well that there's no um, there's no progress, it seems like, according to what I've read, in terms of finding answers and cures and to issues for humans. And yet, what is it, $19 billion is spent uh, still a year doing these types of experiments that, I mean, so many of them are, I mean, I hate to say it, but let's call it what it is, a barbaric, and, and it- what these animals go through. You're exactly right. So the, the major funder of this kind of research or experiments in the, in the U.S. and the, the biggest funder in the world actually is the U.S. National Institutes of Health. And they spend every year roughly half of their budget, which is a, was around $40 billion on experiments on animals. And this is despite knowing even this, this, these statistics are on their own website. Um, you know, 95% of new drugs and these drugs go through animal tests, they're shown to be safe, effect, safe and effective in animals, still fail in human trials 95% of the time. And there's not a lot that we continue to do in this world that has that high of a failure rate, but we continue to give, you know, half of our federal research budget to animal experiments. And yet, 
still, I don't understand with the statistics of, of it really not solving any of, you know, the world's greatest diseases. Why does it continue on that way? Is it because it's, they have to spend the money somehow. So they just do what they've been doing in the past so that they keep getting the money. I mean, what is the point of, of doing these experiments and wasting so many animals lives when, when there doesn't seem to be any advancement in the cure. And yet I want to hear about PETA's latest research project and how it's done with humans and how much progress it is making. What are the odds that the NIH and other organizations are going to finally turn to some of the research and, and modify how they do things? You're, you're, you hit it exactly right on, on some of the reasons that this still continues. I mean, people, people are uncomfortable with change. They want to keep doing what they've been doing. And a lot of it is, you know, based in, in money and greed. If, for example, you know, when, when a researcher gets a grant like this from the federal government, the university where they work can take almost half of that money and use it for whatever they want. So there's, the incentive is really to keep getting grants no matter if the experiments are good or not. Um, so that needs to change for, for us to make some progress. But PETA has a plan called the Research Modernization Deal. It's developed by scientists, and it's endorsed by the National Medical Association and the National Hispanic Medical Association. And it's a stepwise strategy for phasing out the use of animals in biomedical research and, and shifting that funding to human-relevant non-animal research that we have that now that's based in human biology and can even be individualized to patients. So we can, we can stop testing, you know, different species for diseases that they don't even get and, and shift that funding into human relevant research methods. That sounds incredible. And so that's called research modernization deal. Uh, Is that something that is, PETA is is trying very much to to get out and into the into the scientists and researchers' hands, or do they have to opt into that? It's a plan that we are you know talking about talking about really to anyone who will listen, and we we have talked to a lot of members of Congress about the research modernization deal. Many are supportive. Um, and on PETA.org, uh, listeners can go and let their congressperson know that, that they want them to support this plan. And they can also learn, learn more about the steps of the plan. That's a great idea. Uh, uh, definitely contacting your congressman. Now, for the uh, actual, the book's re-release um, and the anniversary edition of the 30th year of Free the Animals, uh, there's a foreword by Joaquin Phoenix. Is that correct? That's right. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix uh, wrote the new foreword, and he also recently bought the movie rights to the book. So that is is really exciting because, as I mentioned earlier, it's just a fascinating story on its own, even if it weren't real. Um, it is. And I can't wait to see what he does uh, with, with the movie version. You know, I think that's going to be a tremendous way to get in front of people and in a mainstream sort of way and, and really not only see this incredible story, but really get it people's thinking to the point where they can start making decisions about this and, and want to, to act on it. That's so exciting. Um, when will we find out when the movie will be released? Will it be quite a while? 
I, I don't have any details now, unfortunately, but listeners can uh, find find the book, the 30th anniversary edition, um, you know, at PETA.org, we have links and you can check also your local bookstores and libraries. Absolutely. PETA.org, that's P-E-T-A dot org, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, always on the side of animals and and furthering the causes for humans as well, but truly making this a more humane planet to live on. Thank you so much, Dr. Emily Trunnell, Senior Scientist for PETA. Thanks for all you're doing. Thank you. Thank you, Laura, for having us. And you're listening to The Way Home. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. Wonderful to be here on the 4th of July weekend with everyone. And I really, truly hope that you make beautiful memories this weekend and you have a chance to really... Uh, take a breather and enjoy your family and the great outdoors and and do something that commemorates and reminds you of what a beautiful country we live in for sure. Well, Jimmy, you always give us reason to feel inspired and happy because you give us the good news every single week. I try. I you yes, you try and you succeed. So by all means, what's your story this week? Well, LJ, I don't know if you had this on your news or not, but uh, I, and I've never really gotten an evite via text message and error. I don't know if you or Bob ever did that I can recall. But uh, there was an Indiana woman who had that happen to her, and her name was uh, Angela White. And what happened was there was a couple in California who recently welcomed their baby, Luna. But prior to that, they were having a baby shower, and they sent out a bunch of these evites to people to come to the baby shower. Well, accidentally... Angela was one of the recipients, even though she never, ever met this couple. Uh, his name is David Amasti, I think that's how you pronounce it, and Candace Countryman. Now, anyway, Angela said, hmm, I got this random text. Uh, where did this come from? I'm not just going to throw it away. Well, and again, she never made it to that baby shower, but she decided to do something about it by basically sending them a message uh, acknowledging that there was an error, but she did something very, very special. She sent them a special gift in honor of that young baby. Uh, she has a nonprofit business called, and it's spelled... B-R-A-Y-V-E, Brave Blanket Company. And she sent a special delivery uh, you know, for the baby, a little gift uh, to kind of say uh, that there was an error, but I want to just acknowledge you know, congratulations to you. So you know what happened is the couple decided to try to find this woman, since they never, ever met in person or online, to try to pay it forward in some way. Well, they contacted a local television station, and they arranged for a Zoom TV interview to actually meet the woman face-to-face for the first time, actually thanking her for that, even though this was purely by accident. Okay, and it came as a result of that accidental message. So maybe now they become really good friends. So it's kind of like that happy accident that you see in your life every once in a while. I think that's a great story. That's a great story. I love that. So what is the blanket company? Bravery Blanket? Her business is Brave, B-R-A-Y-V-E, Blanket Company. I guess she gave him a baby blanket or something. I guess that's the gift she sent. Hmm. Okay. Oh, well, that's wonderful. One of those happy mistakes. Yes. That's really not a mistake at all. No. It's, I'd love to have and, one of those mistakes once in a while. <laughs> all right. A chance encounter or something mm, with, yes. with a wrong number. I think we've had some stories about that, too, in the past. Well, you guys, we're almost done here, but any great plans for the holiday weekend? Uh, not, not necessarily. I think I, I think I have off from work, and uh, the next day is my sister's birthday. Uh, advance happy birthday to her. Her birthday is actually after 
July 4th, so a little extra reason to celebrate. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was going to be working on the 4th, but I think uh, we're closed uh, on that day, so I got an extra long weekend. But nothing really special, I think. I Hopefully we'll do it. I think it's special. A day off is always special when you're working as hard oh, as yeah. you are. Well, I, I, sure. I kind of need time to, to breathe a little bit like everybody else. So, you yeah, know, absolutely. And yeah. fireworks, right? And fireworks, fireworks yeah. part of 4th of July. Yeah. I hate to miss out on that. I mean, Are you going to go to see uh, some fireworks, Bob? I, uh, if the timing is right, from what we're saying, I already have. It's wonderful. Good. What do you mean you already have? Oh, yeah, that's right. No. <laughs> well, well the, no, no, Saturday night uh, was Greenwich's fireworks. So, oh, in Greenwich, Connecticut. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, are do any uh, a lot of places have them on the fourth tomorrow? That's true. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. So, anyways, well, good for you. <laughs> and um, yes, I, I don't be careful. Sparklers are hot. Yeah, they, that, they that's, like they, yeah. they look like they're innocent, but they're not. They, apparently, they they're actually thousands of millions degrees hot we used to use those we used to have those as kids i guess uh, where we lived it was it was legal all the time but i wouldn't do that now Hmm. i know well i just hope i have a little new puppy my new puppy dosi do Mm -hmm. and i hope that she uh you know doesn't get too afraid with the noises i'm gonna have to stay in with her that night i think good point Mm -hmm. yeah well, to everybody, I hope you're having a wonderful weekend. I hope you did get the day off. I hope you're having fun with your family and enjoying all that this uh, wonderful country gives to us as Americans and um, just feeling blessed to be an American. So on that note, thank you so much for listening to The Way Home. We will certainly be back next time with more inspiration, more love, and great stories, uplifting stories. Thank you, Bob and Jim. Thank you. My pleasure. And happy 4th to everyone. You're listening to The Way Home. Happy Happy 4th.